What's going on, drinking buddies? Real quick, before we get into today's episode, just a quick word from our sponsors, those fine folks who keep us in booze money. We also have an ad from another podcast, so don't skip past that. Check it out. First and foremost, we are brought to you by our friends at Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly mystery crate that delivers the best in geek and gaming gear. From collectibles, apparel, tech gadgets, art, and other epic gear. It's like Comic-Con in a box. Everything's awesome about Loot Crate except no hot cosplay girls in the box. It'd be a really big box. They'd have to put holes in eh, I'm sure they're appreciating this ad read. So you subscribe to Loot Crate monthly. You get epic geek and gaming items and pop culture gear for less than 20 a month. You get six to eight items every month. And then you have till the 19th from 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe to receive that month's crate. When the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. You can't get it again. By supporting Loot Crate, you support the show. Really appreciate it. So if you want to check out Loot Crate, go to www.trylootcrate.com slash A-N-W-D. Once again, that is www.trylootcrate.com slash A-N-W-D. And make sure to enter the code BRIDGE10 to save 10% on a new subscription. We are also brought to you this week by our friends at Ghost Tequila. Ghost Tequila is a 100% agave Blanco tequila that is ghost pepper infused. Oh, it is magnifique. I don't know why I keep saying magnifique with this ad read every week. They don't put that in the copy. It's just something I've been saying. But seriously, it goes down smooth, has a spicy aftertaste. It is amazing. Amazing. In Bloody Maria's, spicy margaritas, whatever you call it when you make a mule out of it. I'm not a mixologist. I just drink. So if you're not in one of the lucky states where you can buy ghost tequila in stores, go to www.ghosttequila.com, order yourself a bottle today. And as always, I believe I'm legally required to say this, drink responsibly. We are also brought to you by our friends at Laughable this week. Laughable is the number one comedy podcast app on iOS. Not only can you subscribe to your favorite shows like And Now We Drink, you can also subscribe to your favorite performers like Matt Slayer. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. And see your favorite performers' appearances on other people's shows. So say I go do someone else's show, I'll pop right up in your subscription feed. It's a great way to discover new podcasts. And on top of that, if that wasn't enough, they recommend shows to you. They recommend comedians and other performers to you. It is the best app. And the best part is it's 100% free. There's not even ads in it. Go to the App Store today. Download it. It is awesome. It's what I use to listen to podcasts all the time. Before we get into this week's episode with, you know him, director Jimmy Broadway, just a quick word from our friends at the Highly Inappropriate Podcast. So sit back, enjoy that, and then enjoy the show. Hey, all My name is Lucas, and I host a podcast called Highly Inappropriate, and we're launching September 1st. It's humans talking to humans about being human. Listen in on some of the most inappropriate conversations I have. I talk to musicians about their crazy exes. I talk to comedians about their need for attention. And sometimes, well, sometimes it gets a little weird. Check out Highly Inappropriate on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get podcasts. Start your week inappropriately every Monday. Highly inappropriate. Check it out.
all sounds professional enough, right? Most of the time. I don't know. I've never listened to it. Ah, oh, don't worry. I'm not a podcast person just because I barely have enough time for the stuff that I'm doing now to pick up. Oh, yeah, you're going to sit and listen for an hour every or, week. Or two. Or two. Or six, depending on how many podcasts you stumble across that sound interesting. Yeah, 100%. No, I get it. It's like year, a couple of years ago, I came up with this idea that I'm going to broaden myself by listening to a TED Talk a day. And that lasted about a week and a half before it's like, I don't have time to listen to 12 minutes this morning. So I'll do it this afternoon. And then I forget. And then it's bedtime. And it's like, ah, I don't want to think before sleep. Yeah, you don't want last thing you want is listen to a TED Talk and then toss and turn and be like, yeah, those were some good points. And just not be able to fall asleep because your brain's Sewer still on. fuel. Yes, it's totally possible. <laughs> Same with podcasts. I listen to podcasts in the morning throughout the day, but like mm-hmm. by nighttime, it's music. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I can't really use them as, as background because they, they distract you too much. They make you think about if they're any good. They make you think and pay attention to them, which defeats the purpose of background. True. Uh, I listen to them as background, though, just because I do find that they pass time better than music does. A lot of times where you know, I'm just sitting around listening, and if I'm listening to music, it's just like, wow, time is dragging. Or the podcast just moves the day a little better. Hmm. Not for me, but... Each their own. I, 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 although I still want to have my life scored by a full orchestra. <laughs> who just follows me around, just playing background for me as I go. Oh, that would be awesome. I feel really bad for them on some of those set days where it's like just hot. You can't run the mm-hmm. air conditioning because you can't have that, that on the audio and the orchestra's just sitting there in their suits sweating. I wouldn't make them wear suits. Well, how do how would you know they're a full orchestra if they're not in tuxes? I mean, I think that's required with the job, right? You know, nice shirts. Just button-down shirts and yeah, slacks? Just nice nice button. Black button downs and slacks. <laughs> How many pieces of orchestra are we talking, though? Uh, about 75. That might be a little cramped at times. True, but, you know, life is tough. Uh, just think of all the headaches of having to transport your orchestra everywhere you That's go. That's their problem. It's their job to follow me. It's not my idea to drag, my job to drag them around. Oh, that'd be a nightmare when you had to fly, go on vacation, like... <laughs> Do you wait for the orchestra to get through security or just go to the gate? I, if the conductor is good, he can make it work. Or maybe it's just a violin solo as you're clearing security and walking to the gate. And then other instruments come in and, and build it. And yeah, sure, it's going to take the timpani a good hour to get through if he can get that thing through the metal detector. But Yeah, you can't really bring a cello on a plane. Sure you can. I've seen it. Just buy an extra seat for it. Uh, I've seen the extra seat. I've seen the overhead bin. For a and they're cello? Real, and they're really pissy when you try and move it. I would be too. Shit. That instrument is worth a lot of money in some cases. Exactly. Then, then why are you putting it in the overhead bin? Probably some stewardess told them they had to. Yeah. Like, you have to store that. But I bought a seat for it. <laughs> See, that's where electronic DJs just win. All they got to do is bring a laptop. We're going to pause for half a second as my neighbor's dogs are going crazy in the hallway. 
Were we on? Or were we just... Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought we were just chatting while we were getting ready to go. Oh, no, I snuck it right in. I hit record like four minutes ago. There's no introduction. No, hi, welcome to this. Uh, oh, it's just like last time. We just go right into it. I do the introductions later. Oh, sneaky. Well, and that's because I find that the guests don't put their guards up. They just relax into a conversation instead of being like, you know, do a full intro. and like, welcome to it. Now we drink. Like people are just like, okay. I'm ready to do my interview and get the guard up, and I'd rather just bullshit and go. But but on the subject of electronica and and orchestras, uh, one of the best shows I've seen in a long time, uh, Dead Mouse with a 95 piece orchestra. That must have been crazy, like full light show and everything. I yeah, but it, but I mean it wasn't a like lasers and disco light. It, it was a very subdued. Uh, they use those um, the glowing filament Edison bulbs. Had several hundred of them hung over the orchestra at different heights, and they would bring them up and down with the music. Uh, I mean, he did a little. There was he did most of the show without the head, and then put it on for a couple of parts, and went over to the piano and played. How does the audience know it was him without the head? It said so on the ticket. Can't believe that. Sure you can. I'm sure, I'm sure people the first time they saw this Kiss is, without makeup was like, no, that's not Kiss. This is America. People will believe anything. Uh, sadly true. Mm-hmm. Sadly, sadly true. I just actually posted a video to my Facebook about that that was completely fabricated. And at the end, it's like, this is all false. But people blindly share stuff because of the headlines. Mm-hmm. And it's true. I, I mean, I don't know if it's actually true, but I read an article that 79% of links are shared and not opened. I believe it. I mean, I believe it. It's a fact I'd like to believe, but I don't know. I didn't why, go. Why would you ch- like to believe that though? That's kind of a scary fact. I, I prefer it to not be true. I, I like to believe it just because it confirms what I already believe. Okay. That's the only reason I'd like it. No, it's a scary fact. It's a horrible fact. Then it's not really liking to believe it. It's you already believe it, and it's... Confirmation bias? Yeah. Fair enough. But it's crazy just that articles are being written that way. For example, I saw an article from NBC Today that said, City passes resolution to remove Donald Trump's star. Now, if you actually read the article... The city of West Hollywood, where the star is not located, correct, passed a resolution to petition the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce to remove the star. I believe they're actually uh, petitioning the L.A. City Council. Yeah, and the city council, I believe. Because yeah. the, the Walk of Fame is controlled by the it's Chamber of Commerce. Controlled by the Chamber of Commerce, but it's owned by the city council. Right, I think, part of I think they're sending it to both. But either way, if you just read that headline, it sounds like L.A. was... Passed a resolution mm-hmm. to remove it. And there's been some discussion that they will temporarily remove it as a public safety issue because I guess there have been several fights and they're not not happy with the way it's been escalating. So they think maybe putting it in storage for a little while until things chill. Well, they'd have to make a new one to put it in storage. Right. <laughs> At this point. And I heard some some brave entrepreneur is selling pieces of the last one on eBay already. So, does that technically count as selling stolen property? Uh, dep- 
depends on how it was acquired. I don't know how it would legally be acquired. Uh, was it consciously? It, it, it kind of depends on the definition of stolen. Well, they charged the guy with who took a pickaxe to it with felony vandalism. Right. So that implies that that is private property. Okay. Therefore, the pieces of the private property, unless... I don't know who could legally sell it. But if, say, the sidewalk in front of your building breaks up, it's a public sidewalk, but somebody decides to haul the parts away um, just to get them out of there, is it stealing them or is it just moving them? I have a feeling, once again, I'm not a lawyer, that it is technically stealing them, but no one's going to enforce it. Could be true. I'm going to Google it the best I can. Uh, there's something from the Bureau of Municipal Agency. Do, 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 do. The Bureau of Municipal Agency. In, municipal Enforcement Agency. There we go. Okay. Sounds like something in Prague or the old Eastern Bloc. Nope. City of Los Angeles. Uh, uh, there's a whole lot. To, listeners, I will have to get back to you on that. It will take away from the conversation a little too much for me to research this right now. But, I don't know. I, I have a feeling the city will probably make a stink about it. Yeah. Eh, if the guy gets away with it, good on him. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't, well, he can't get any worse fine than the guy who actually destroyed it. That's true. And that's wild that the guy who... The first guy who destroyed it with the pickaxe bailed out the second guy. <laughs> it's like, welcome to the club, buddy. <laughs> now, although technically it might not qualify as stolen property, but it might be evidence. Oh, I can almost guarantee it's evidence. Yeah. So that could open up a whole new range of... Criminal complaints and... Yeah, evidence tampering... Yeah, it really could. Huh. And who's to authenticate that that's actually really part of Donald Trump's star? It's true. I mean, depending on what chunk, it, you know, if you took a corner of the star where his name's not visible, it could be a, any star from the Walk of Fame. It could be something from the local tile and marble shop that just looks a hell of a lot like the stars on the one. Hmm. Scammers on eBay. That never happens. Never. Never. Or this is America. Everyone is forthright and honest at all times. Except here at And Now We Drink, where we're fifth right. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, so what have you been up to? Like, it's been a, almost, almost a year since you... Well, oh. a little under a year. Has it been that long? It was pre-ABN. Okay. So, yeah, it's, it's coming up on that. Well, we're... Getting ready for another ABN, believe it or not. Uh, one more shooting day on Mindfuck, a cult classic. Very cool. Uh, from the very creative minds of DeSevere and Bella Bathory. Uh, keeping with the severe tradition of co-directors. Uh, this takes four innocent young girls and puts them into classic cults. Hmm. 
So it's a cult, it, it, not the exact cults, but with characteristics, recognizable characteristics of cults. Like the Branch Davidians? Uh, didn't do Branch Davidians. We did uh, Scientology. That's Recon- a religion. Actually, we haven't <laughs> done them yet. They're coming up. Uh, that might be a good one to do after you leave L.A. Uh, we did Manson. Huh. And let me say right now, if Tommy Pistol doesn't get a Best Actor nom for his unraveling cult leader portrayal, then there is no justice in this world because just watching him slowly lose it from a like clear lucid leader to just completely out of his mind paranoid uh was amazing oh tommy's tommy's great in everything he does i can't wait to see that performance i'm i'm sure they'll give him best actor not if not the win I mean, he, well it's it's tough because he's competing with himself and like four other things which uh but then we also did a uh the warren jeff's polygamists where i got to be really creepy I'm getting much better at being creepy. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but... Well, if you're acting, it's fine. Yes. Good. It's an acting thing. So that, that means you're honing your craft. Yeah. There was a time when, when D used to tell me, you're too nice, you can't do creepy. And then all of a sudden it's like, damn, you can now do creepy. And See, practice makes perfect. Yes. Uh, and then the fourth one was the, the Hell, Hellbop Comet people down in San Diego. Oh, um, Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate. Yes. <laughs> I don't understand. I, I just can't wrap my brain around how people... Obviously, it happens to people. People get brainwashed. They get brought into these cults. I just can't wrap my brain around it. I I can. I mean, yeah, some of the things that are happening in these cults are a little like, wait a minute, that's just too bizarre. But I think it comes down to just a desire to belong. And, you know, they're not not fitting in or not feeling loved or whatever in whatever situation they're in. And along come these people who say, Hey, come be with us. We love you. We'll love you. You can belong with us. Yeah. When you put it that way, it makes sense. I I mean, I mean, everybody isn't going to end up in a cult, but if you're in the right mindset and you get caught at the right time, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, I just, I don't know, I, I just, when you're like, we're going to commit suicide to get on hail bop like, w- 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 breaks, what? <laughs> like I said, everything that they come up with doesn't make complete sense. Or any sense. Yeah, but uh, there are some things that kind of do. I guess, I, I guess I'm not well enough versed in them to be like, okay, well, that point made sense. Yeah, just you hear about, hey, we're going to all wear the same uniform and poison ourselves. And when we die, we're going to catch a ride on the comic. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? Huh? But that's not how this works. That's not how you get on comets. Yeah, but in the same group, it's, hey, we found these really cool looking sneakers and they're really comfortable with good arch support. That makes perfect sense. So, like I said, there, there are things that work and things that don't. <laughs> Some are a little bit bigger deals than others. Oh, of course. 
You know, um, it's like grape Kool-Aid. It's really refreshing. Cyanide, not good for you, but... It's not? No. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, there goes my plans later tonight. I guess I'll just have to stick to whiskey. There you go. Do you know Heaven's Gate actually left a couple people alive to keep the website going? The Heaven's Gate website is still running. Uh, I was proliferally viewing quite a bit of research material as Bella and Dee were writing this thing. So I know more than I ever wanted to know about cults. Oh, please share. I'm curious. Uh, it's just... Just like little quirky things, and a lot of it is kind of general knowledge. You know, the the tracksuits and the sneakers and being in San Diego. And um, the interesting thing about Heaven's Gate was that they were, they swore off sexuality. So making a porn movie about it uh, involved a little poetic license. And a really hot lesbian scene in a pool. Very cool. Do you think you're going to get any shit from the surviving members of Heaven's Gate? I think we're going to get shit from everybody on this thing. We, awesome. We, 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 I mean, we touched a lot of buttons here. Uh, especially with the, the, the ending where they... Uh, they go to what they think is a party and it turns out to be another cult. And I'm not going to ruin the surprise of what that other cult is, but... Uh, so what year does the movie take place? It's not really specified because obviously Manson was the 60s. Hellbop was the... 90s? I believe 90s. Um, the guys down the street are still going. Well, people would argue that that's actually a religion, not a cult. What's the difference? Government status. Okay. 1997. <laughs> oh, my God. Their Wikipedia page says members 41 pre-1997, two post-1997. <laughs> What's the drop-off? Founded in 74. Wow. That's uh, unintentionally funny. I wonder, I would love to speak to one of the two surviving members and be like, so you guys believe this enough to keep the word going. Are you bummed that you didn't get to go? Like, uh, I believe they, and I can find out what, what they watch to do their research on that particular one. But I believe there were interviews with the surviving members. That's got to be wild. It's just. I could just imagine that, like, if they believe this hook, line, and sinker, that they had serious remorse that they were the ones that got left behind. But I think part of their belief was that when they, they were left behind for a purpose, and when they accomplished that purpose and their time came, that they would be brought up with the others. Okay, okay. I... In my mind, I kind of pictured it like Christians if the ra they were left behind at the rapture. Like, mm -hmm. why was I left? Well, that thing with that guy, uh, we knew about that, and uh, you're not coming with us. <laughs> <laughs> I 
all that fetish porn being left behind. Mm. Or it'd be hilarious. And when the rapture came, then all the pornographers were taken. Yeah. And no, just, no, no. This is what I meant. These are the people we need. Well, people in the industry generally are not as hypocritical about their wants, desires, and needs. If God's real, they got to look down on that, right? The amount of people that are supposedly God-fearing and religious and are just giant hypocrites, cheat on their spouses, mm-hmm. cheat on their taxes, commit fraud. Who's worse? The person who just goes, no, this is how I live my life. Then they're honest and upfront about it. Or the person who claims to do the Lord's work and then does horrible well, things. I mean, one of the, the classic examples that, that gets me all the time is, is the, the condemnation of prostitution. Like, have you not read the Bible? Are you not familiar with Jesus's friends? Because they was hookers. Yeah, he washed their feet. Yeah. And that must have been really bad in biblical times. Jesus liked hookers and had a foot fetish. Uh, so he's Quentin Tarantino? Entirely possible. Quentin Tarantino is the second coming of Jesus. I figured it out. Explain some things. Right? People pick and choose out of all religious texts what they want to deal with and what they don't. Exactly. Because if you want to follow all the letters of the law, you better not have any tattoos. You better not mix fabrics. It doesn't make sense in the modern world. Mm -hmm. Religion had its place. And society wouldn't have gotten to where it is without it. But... I don't know if it's so necessary anymore. Uh, I mean, you look at the Ten Commandments and, and you take God out of them and just look at them as ten kind of rules. For, and at least six of them like, are pretty decent rules for how to live your life. Yeah. It's, uh, don't steal shit. Don't, don't like piss off your neighbor. Try not to kill anybody. And right. things like that. You know, those are pretty good rules. Yeah, most of the Ten Commandments, pretty good rules to live your life by. I'll agree with that. Uh, but if you're only doing them out of fear of being punished by an invisible parent, yeah, that's a problem. No, you, you should be a good person because that's the right thing to do and it just feels better to be a good person than to be an asshole or a hypocrite. I'd like to think so. I mean, I try to live my life, you know, as honest and openly as possible. I'd rather do it that way. There's, I don't get it. I don't get it that, you know, people who are being hypocrites because they want to hide their shame or feel that admitting it's the wrong thing and it'll damn them to hell. Don't get it. Yeah. As we got serious on this show for once, like, mm-hmm. eh, these things happen. Hey. So... You got the various cults for the movie. What you got? Heaven's Gate. You got Manson. Uh, and he didn't do the Branch Davidians. I'm trying to think of it. Jonestown did not do. We did Warren Jeffs. Okay. And the polygamists, uh, which was a, a real fun scene. Although it was interesting trying to get Allison Ray to give a bad, inexperienced blowjob because she's. 
not that person. It's all muscle memory. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's very talented with her oral skills and to have her be, it was really acting for her to be tentative and hesitant and a bit afraid of doing it. <laughs> it's like, you're too good at your job. Mm-hmm. You gotta, gotta just be afraid of the dick. Come mm-hmm. on, just be a little afraid of it. Pretend like you haven't seen a bunch of them. You know, got to really sell the nervousness of it. Yes, and she did it well. Plus, she looked adorable in her little, like, white, silky, wedding night cover-up thing. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds like a, like, that sounds like a really fun movie. What inspired you guys to do it? Uh, it was actually Bella's idea. I'm not sure where it came from, but she pitched it to Dee and we said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Tell us more. And started growing and expanding and very cool. When's it out? It will be out, I believe September 30th. I know it makes the AVN cutoff. That's the important one. By how many days? I'm not quite sure. Uh, but if you follow any of us on Twitter, we will be just blowing it up as we get close to it. Very cool. So tonally, is it more of a comedy, drama? Uh, it's got elements of both. There are some really tense, dramatic moments, and there's some really funny moments. Uh, I mean, some of the, the parodying of the the cult just li- listening to the, uh, I keep forgetting their name. The Hellbop people. Heaven's Gate. The Heaven's Gators, uh, doing their their chants was just hilarious. <laughs> Did you get a bunch of extras? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So there, are two two scenes with large groups of extras. Very cool. Oh, I can't wait to check that out. We will make sure to get you a copy. Well, thank you. Thank you. I will make sure to tweet and say nice things. We appreciate that. <laughs> away from porn. You guys are moving to Vegas. Yes, we are. Not really away from porn because that's one of the reasons why we're... Well, um, away from L.A. porn. Yes. About... We're re- relocating the global headquarters of Sphere Sex Films to Sin City. Uh, have not found a studio location yet. But uh, we'll be doing that uh, in the next month or two. Uh, I'm sure in the short term, Leroy will rent you out Mission Control if you need to use it. Yeah, there, we've had several offers from several people who have places there. Some of the former kink directors have some space. Uh, yeah, Leroy, of course, and the, the good folks at Wood Rocket have been so helpful. Uh, but it, it just seems like L.A. porn is kind of kind of fractured and cliquish, and the Vegas porn community is a real community. I mean, it seems like everybody there talks to each other and they help each other out and they share stuff and you know whether it's facilities or hey, I need a camera guy, can you come shoot this or hey, you need a place to shoot this, you got you know, can we use your pool or whatever. I feel like Leroy's behind a lot of that. 
he it's a i think it's a combination of leroy and the fact that so much of the community there comes from the fetish world even if they're not strictly fetish performers they've at least been in that world where you, you know even before you you do the porn side of it you're part of a community when i was living there shit it's almost five years ago at this point it was a bit clickish it also wasn't nearly as big mm-hmm. there weren't nearly as many performers transplanted at that point i mean it seems like it's almost like one a week now is yeah everyone's like fuck this fuck la rent to vegas well it's not just la uh we've got a, a real good friend who's a pro dominatrix who came there from through portland but uh from chicago really anyone i know maya sinstress i know maya yeah yeah, she moved to Portland, wasn't really happy up there, and is now has been in Vegas for about six months. Oh, very cool. I I didn't even know she had left Chicago. <laughs> wow, that's a name I haven't heard like since my Neo days. Uh, for me, there's some things I liked about living in Vegas. There's some things I disliked enough to move to L.A. What was your favorite thing about being there? 24-hour everything. Yeah. I absolutely, I'm a bit of a night owl, and I love the fact that, like, Sometimes I'd wake up 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I'd just go to my local sports bar, grab myself a burger, kick back, relax, hang out with the bar staff, almost nobody in the bar, go home, go grocery shopping in the middle of the night. Everything's 24 hours. Mm -hmm. It's great. The rent's amazing. You can get just an amazing place to live for next to nothing compared to LA. The downsides are, if you're a single dude... It's a rough town to meet new people in. A lot of Vegas locals are rather cliquish because everyone's so transient. Mm -hmm. They don't really want to invest time in new people because they don't expect you to stay. Okay. And a lot of times they're right. Vegas isn't for everybody. And I was also not a huge fan of having to go into a casino to do almost anything. Like, you want to go to the movies? You are pretty much going into a casino to go to a movie theater. Okay. There are very few theaters that aren't in casinos. A lot of restaurants in casinos. It just, it got old after a while. Mm-hmm. But I like visiting. I like playing crafts when I'm back in town. Yeah. But there's also things like rolling into a 7-Eleven in the middle of the morning and watching people just dropping money in video poker machines at 7 o'clock in the morning. That's just kind of... A little soul-sucking. I can see that. Nowhere is perfect, though. Absolutely nowhere is perfect. And it's not a bad move for the industry. Hell, it's why I moved to Vegas in the first place. Because when I moved in 2011, we all thought everyone was going to jump ship years ago. Mm-hmm. Just took a little longer. Well, I mean, there back then, the, I think the motivation was more political. Uh, looking at some of the things that have been on the ballot in california it was kind of a scary time definitely now i think it's more financial and fresh opportunities Uh, you know the chance to build it's really tough to build a studio in la Uh, and that's one of the reasons why when our lease was up on this one we kind of said you know we really can't go through that again here um, but there it's because, you know, real estate is what it is there. You can get 
large raw spaces that you can do stuff with. You can get an amazing shoot house if you want to mm-hmm. have a live workspace for nothing. Yeah. I, I mean, we're, we were almost thinking about that because when we were looking for a house to live in, one of the places our realtor took us to, uh, imagine if Liberace designed a frat house. <laughs> I imagine a lot of chandeliers. Uh, there were a couple of chandeliers, but there was, you, you drove up to this place and there was a, a stat, a life-size statue of a dachshund sitting on its hind legs on the corner, there were two lions to either side of the front walk, and you know, like in France in like the 1700s, how they used to do the pavement with the garden with the growth in between the pavement. And yeah, yeah, that was the driveway. Interesting, interesting. Uh, but the place had no, and then you go inside, and there's like weird molding everywhere, and it was a lot of gold paint and silver paint and white paint. Huh. Who was uh, any idea who the previous tenant was? No idea. So why'd you pass on it? Uh, well, for one thing, there was no garage. Mm. They had converted the garage into a mother-in-law apartment. So the place had two kitchens in it. We don't need two kitchens. We need a garage. Right. <laughs> need a place to put the car, especially in the summers out there. Uh, plus, the neighborhood was only so-so. So you don't want to leave your car outside overnight because, you know, you like a car with wheels and stuff like that. Totally overrated. Cars yeah. don't need wheels. Cars don't need... Or... Uh, and then, like, the back, the backyard with the pool, there was no real privacy and... Like I said, the neighborhood was kind of sketchy. It was right behind a, a shopping mall that had seen better days. Yeah, there's those neighborhoods in Vegas. Yeah. Even though I, I feel like even Vegas's bad neighborhoods really aren't that bad. From what I hear, most of the crime in Vegas is of the of the various theft varieties. And it's just people, you know, down on their luck who need Something they can sell for 30 bucks to get back on that winning streak or to get breakfast after their losing streak. Definitely. Unfortunately, I've, I've heard some stories, some horrible stories about home invasions. Yeah. My friends who I used to crash with when I was living on the road so much, my stuff was in storage. I didn't actually have a legal residence in Vegas. A couple of years after I stopped staying there, they had a home invasion and the roommate who was staying in the room I used to stay in got murdered. Oh, um, one of the roommates had two antique shotguns that he left in his room and the guy who broke in thought no one was home, found the shotguns, went into the room where the one roommate who was home was sleeping, shot him with the shotgun. Mm. Thankfully, I mean, as shitty as the situation is, thankfully that guy was an idiot and somehow lost his wallet at the scene. Okay. So they had him arrested within like a day. But it's still fucking tragic that shit like that yeah. happens. But shit like that could happen anywhere. There's no magic bubble that protects nice neighborhoods. No. And to be honest, if you look at crime statistics, there's quite a bit of theft crime in nice neighborhoods because that's where the stuff is. Exactly. Who wants to rob a place in the ghetto when you could just go to that million-dollar mansion and yeah. 
I'm sure they've got silverware that's like worth something. I'm sure they've got jewelry, you know, jewelry and artwork and especially in Vegas. I'm sure they have guns. That's one thing people always fucking forget when they buy guns for home protection, that if you're not home to protect your home with it, that is something people want to fucking steal. Yes. So PSA, secure your fucking guns. I mean, you, you should be doing that anyway. I, you should be, but... This podcast is far too short to get into a discussion on gun control. Um, <laughs> two hands. Two hands. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I'm, I am in favor of sensible gun laws. I think if you're a decent citizen, you should be allowed to own a firearm. But I think there should be... I mean, you should know how to operate it safely, how to store it safely, and you should definitely be liable if anything happens because you weren't safe about it. I 100% agree. I think that it is criminally negligent that in many states you can go buy a firearm by just slapping down your driver's license. Yeah. Like, you have no clue how this thing works. You don't know how to maintain it. You are a danger to yourself and others if you are not comfortable with that weapon. Because someone breaks in, and even if you have the gun, if you're not willing to use it, it statistically gets taken away from you and used on you. Yes. Or used on somebody else. Exactly. Or both. (laughs) Yeah. And that's fucking horrible. And what happens if... Yo, you go to use your gun and protect your family, and the thing malfunctions, because they do. Yeah. And you don't know how to clear a jam. Yeah, or, or it malfunctions because you don't know how to clean it. Yeah. These are all things that very really can happen. I've always been in favor of mandatory training. Yeah. And I don't think it's that much of a burden on anybody who wants to own a gun to... I mean, to be honest, if you're owning a gun for the right reasons, or even some of the wrong reasons, being taught how to use it properly makes owning it better. 100%. I also feel responsible gun owners should be forced to carry liability insurance. Oh, definitely. It, it does not make sense to me in some states like Nevada where you can just open carry. And you're not required. There's no liability insurance requirements or anything. You can just have a gun on your hip. But if you do armed security in Nevada, you have to shoot every six months to prove you're able to use that firearm. What fucking sense does that make? None at all. <laughs> but that's the law. If you have a concealed carry in Nevada, I have one. It is one day of an eight-hour course, and you're good for five years. No liability insurance. Nothing beyond that. You shoot 30 rounds, eight-hour course. That's it. Well, you're concealed carrying, but someone who does it professionally has to shoot twice a year. The law doesn't make any goddamn sense there. I actually found myself arguing with the instructor for the eight-hour course. (laughs) Just some of the things he was teaching, I'm like, you're going to get someone killed. Because, you know, he was a proponent of if you're con- concealed carrying, keeping the safety active. In a high-stress situa- high situation, nine times out of ten, people forget to disengage that safety. 
Okay. And then your gun goes click, and then you're dead. Whenever I carry, the safety is not engaged. There's a round in the chamber. Then that was the other thing. He was like, you know, be ready to chamber around. I'm like, chamber around? Statistically, most firefights are over in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. You're really going to expect someone to draw, chamber, and then engage in a firefight in a high-stress situation? In a lot of cases, someone who's never shot at anything but a paper target? You're going to get someone killed or they're going to shoot themselves in the foot mm-hmm. trying to, you know, chamber around with their finger on the trigger. An eight hour course doesn't cut it. Yeah. Spent too many years doing armed security. Just, <laughs> it, it's just, it, it just doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. But much like you, I feel that legal gun owners should be able to own firearms for the right reasons. Yeah, it's the Second Amendment. It's our right. Mm-hmm. But you need to, there needs to be more into it than just show up like, mm, that one's pretty. I want that gun. Yeah. I, I was just talking to a friend of mine through his first firearm purchase. And he's like, oh, I want to get this. I'm like, have you shot it? Oh, no, but it looks cool. No, no, no. Go find a place that rents that gun. And put a couple hundred rounds through it. Well, it's like, why are you buying the gun, though? Is, is it to look look cool in a display case? In theory, self-defense. Yeah. In theory. Because I, I know certain people purchase certain firearms purely for display. Yeah, I don't know most people who buy their first gun for display. True. Especially a handgun. I don't think handguns are really display pieces. That's just my opinion. Well, Depends on what they... Sure, like uh, a super fancy, like, you know, cavalry revolver. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, but... You know, an ornately carved handle Colt kind of thing. Yeah, but no one's firing that fucking thing. Right. You know, this is, in theory, something to defend himself with. And I'm like, why do you want to do 45? Then, yes, it should be something that you should be able to handle very well. Exactly. Anyone who wants to buy a gun... First thing you should do is go to a range where you can shoot that particular model and put a lot of rounds through it. You should be able to accurately shoot it, handle the recoil, see how it feels in your hand. Mm-hmm. Just because something looks cool in the movies doesn't mean it's a good fit for you. I've been watching a great series, and I can't remember. It's on Netflix, and I can't re- remember the name of it or where it originally aired. But it's a former Special Forces guy who is taking scenes from movies and real-life testing the firearms or explosives used in those scenes. Uh, I've heard of this. I'm trying to remember the... Uh, the, the guy's name is Terry Shepard. As you Google. Uh, but things like, you know, in Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, where he shoots the noose to prevent the hanging. Could you, in real life, with that gun, cut that rope to save that guy's life? Hmm. That's pretty cool. How did it, how did it go? Or spoilers for the audience at home. Uh, no, you can't. <laughs> The bullet is too thin. The rope is too thick. 
it will it basically goes through the rope but leaves enough rope left to continue hanging ah hollywood weapons factor fiction ah maybe looking at his imdb yep that is it hollywood weapons factor fiction there are two seasons of it so I'm going to definitely check it out. Yeah, it's it's a fun show. The episodes are like 22 minutes long, so it's not a real deep dive. But it's real interesting the way they attack. Number one, they're, they're focused on safety. It's not, you know, he's not just walking out there and firing away. There's, you know, there are barricades. There's plexiglass shields and stuff like that to, you know, some of it is remotely fired uh, just because of safety issues. But... You know, the stuff you see in the movies is not the way firearms work in real life. In most not cases. at all. Though I do got to thank Hollywood for one thing. My home defense piece is a shotgun. Just because people hear a shotgun rack and they were like, oh God, mm-hmm. that's going to murder me. Because yeah. Hollywood has led everyone to believe that shotguns kill everything in the room. Shotguns are a good stopping weapon. They will make you think twice about advancing if you get hit with a shotgun. And they're a broad a broad range weapon. So you don't have to have great aim. You don't necessarily have to be able to, to see your target, you know, if, if you know you have a home intruder coming at you in the dark, if you can kind of find the doorway, odds are you're going to do enough damage to if not stop them, at least slow them down considerably and make them think twice about well, generally the sound of is yeah. enough to make people go, yeah, time to go. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Hollywood, for that. Yes. Yeah, no, Hollywood has no idea how guns work. It, it, but it makes sense why Hollywood has no idea how guns work. They're trying to tell a story. They're not trying right. to you know, do real life. I, a buddy of mine who's a writer who I do some proofreading on, like the first draft of one of his books... His gunplay was just, even for Hollywood standards, off the chart bad. I'm like, you have never fired a gun in your life, have you? He's like, no. I'm like, okay, we got to fix. We got to fix this. We're going to the range. Yeah. We're going to go to the range, and we got to fix this. Cops don't carry AK-47s, man. (laughs) Well, you know, the way the country's going. Oh, they'll just keep using, you know, (laughs) AR-15s. It's a small, light round. Does the job. It's crazy how militarized our police has gotten. Wow, we are all sorts of serious topics tonight. (laughs) Yeah, and I I agree with you, but in some instances, they kind of have to be, which is another problem. Theoretically, in the instances where it needs to be, makes perfect sense. The North Hollywood bank robberies from the 90s where mm-hmm. those two guys were just blazing away. Yeah. Totally makes sense for a militarized police task force to deal with something like that. But when they're using it to serve warrants. No. Where they're using the stuff basically to justify the budget that buys it. That's fucked up. Yeah. But I mean, you look in some parts of some cities and what they're going against. With the street gangs, it's an arms race. And oh. it's sad, but it's that's the way it is right now. I don't disagree. It's 
there just needs to be more oversight on yes. where it's being used. Yeah. If you're walking into essentially what is a fortified location and you're going to be taking you know, gunfire from multiple sources, yeah, it totally makes sense to use an armored personnel mm-hmm. transport and full head-to-toe body armor and AR-15s. But when you're doing a no-knock warrant on someone who's potentially a nonviolent offender, yeah, it seems a little a bit overkill. But hey, that's America 2018. Mm-hmm. But then again, you go to fucking France, and when you land in Charles de Gaulle, there is military personnel with M16s. Just chilling in the airport all yep. over the place. So we're not quite at that point, at least not since right after 9-11. I definitely remember like military personnel being in the airports mm-hmm. 2001-ish. Yeah. So it could be worse. Could be raining. Well, thankfully not in L.A. Everyone forgets how to fucking drive. Oh, yeah. I look forward to that in Vegas. When it occasionally rains, people really fucking forget how to drive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That and some of the east, like the east side streets, don't have proper drainage, and it floods really fucking easy. I have heard that as well. Yeah, I almost stalled out my car going to a friend's place, and I'm like, "Holy fuck, water's up to my fuck! Oh shit, <laughs> up to my fucking hood." Fortunately, I'm a good bad weather driver. Not you, I'm worried about it's mm-hmm. the other idiots. Yeah. Now I did a controlled skid through a four way intersection on my driver's test. Do tell. <laughs> Uh, growing up back in Connecticut, last test of the day uh, on a bl- during a blizzard, and was coming down a hill, and went to stop at the stop sign, and just wasn't going to stop. Put it into a controlled skid, got through, steered into it, did everything. Re- got to the other side, freaking out because I'm 16 years old, and this is my driver's test, and I just ran a stop sign and. I look over at the instructor or the inspector. He looks over at me. Keep going. You did fine. You did everything you were supposed to do. And, you know, because that's what you need to know to drive in Connecticut in the winter. Oh, yeah. You hesitate. That's how you get into the accident. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not, you know, whether you followed the letter of the law. It's you were put in a unusual situation and you handled it the way you were supposed to handle it. And I think more driver's tests, I don't know how you would do it, but should include things like that. Yeah. That was definitely a mixed bag. Definitely should know how to do that like beyond theory, but all oh, those poor poor inspectors. Yes. They'd be taking the, you know, their lives in the 16-year-old's hands every day. I mean, they already are, but mm-hmm. if you put them in controlled skids and stuff like that, oh. But I got to imagine like drivers drivers at simulators have to be much better these days from when you were taking driver's ed and well, to when we, I we did. didn't have a driver's ed simulator when I was taking driver's ed. We had a car. <laughs> well, we had we had simulators, but I feel like they were from the 60s. It was like analog and playing film. Okay. It was like, how does this thing even know if I'm really doing the right? Okay. <laughs> I mean, we used real cars too, but they yeah. started us off on these simulators. But it, it was definitely all analog technology with actual film playing on the screen. So I, was like, I don't know. Okay. 
10 and 2. <laughs> Which isn't correct anymore. What is technically correct? Uh, well, with the advent of airbags, if you're at 10 and 2, you're going to break both your wrists. So you want to be far enough to the sides that if the airbag deploys, it's not going to hit your arms. Usually I'm just driving at 12 with one hand, so. Yeah, I'm kind of at round four with one hand. Just kind of like, yeah. I'm also guilty of texting and driving at times, so. I would never admit that on a recorded medium. See, that's the beautiful part about a fictitious show. Wait, this isn't a real show? Oh, no, no. This is all hidden cameras. Drink seems real. Oh, it's iced tea. It's all placebo. So what should we talk about next? Well, I'm curious about your upcoming Vegas adventures. Uh, well, the if we survive the move, and that's a big if at the moment, because as I was informed today, we got to be out of this place in three weeks. And I looked around and hadn't packed anything yet. Um, and I've been to your guys' studio. There's a lot to pack. Everything's not going. Okay. Uh, if you have been to our studio, saw something you liked, something you were interested in, something you thought would be really cool in your apartment, hit us up. We're getting rid of a lot of stuff. So can I take like three dogs? No. Worth a shot. All the dogs are going. And... <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, we did a, uh, extensive walkthrough with the new, uh, tenant and, uh, decided what we were leaving behind for her and what we're taking with us and what we're going to try and sell and what's going to the homeless and is a different producer taking over the studio. Yes. Oh, cool. Uh, I don't know if she wants it known that she is, but, uh. A fairly established director in the business, uh, good friend of ours. So it will still be around for those of you who like to rent space. Very cool. Very cool. Well, hopefully by the time this airs, she'll have given the yay or nay if she wants it to be public. Mm-hmm. So we can put in the show notes how to get a hold of the new tenant. Yes. Just let me know because this will be a couple of weeks before it's out. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully you guys find some space that isn't too... I mean, no commute in Vegas is really all that bad. But hopefully you find something that's somewhere near your new spot, so... Yeah, I mean, in in what we've looked at, just driving around, it looks like there's a lot of stuff available not that far away. Uh, because we're on the east side, that seems to be a good area. I mean, if we were like down in Henderson or something like that... It, be a bit more of a drive, but uh, yeah, we're just uh, hoping to find two or three partners who want to go in the space with us, and we will go from there. Oh, I'm sure you'll be able to find a couple people that want to go in on yeah regular studio space. I can almost guarantee it. We, we've had people that expressed an interest, and then when it actually came time to look for something, it's like, well, not, now's not a really good time. Yeah, we just built something in our spare room, or I don't know what our distribution is now. Yeah. yeah a lot that, of excuses. but That's we, typical. And we've also had several people who've approached us about wanting to, don't want to be a partner in it, but they want to rent it once it's up and running. And what they would be spending on the rental is like double or triple what they would be spending on 
fools and their money. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what the logic behind it is unless they're not planning on following through or... People are gun-shy. They're just scared to commit, I guess. Yeah. Doesn't make any financial sense to me. I mean, it makes sense, like, if you're going to do a one-off thing to rent, like, hey, we're going to come into Vegas, we're going to shoot this one thing, and then we're going to go back to where we live, or, right, you know, we're doing a scene a year, which doesn't seem profitable, but whatever. Then it makes sense to rent. But if you're going to be doing a regular production... Why not be in on the ground level of the studio and then have some say in what goes into it, how it's built out? That's just my thought process on it. I'm sure we'll work it out. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. There's enough performers in Vegas these days. I'm sure you'll get someone who's like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm on in. Mm-hmm. And we are bringing a couple of our, uh, two of our well-known sets. Uh, the church will be making the trip. Awesome. Uh, and the strip club. Very cool. Uh, one that was never assembled here in L.A., uh, but the jail cell, which is hand-me-down parts from about four other people's jail, some pro-dom, some producers' uh, jail cell sets. So it'll be a unique and original jail cell setup with little elements of Place of sets that people are familiar with. So, hey, just think, you could be the person who gets to break in this jail set. <sighs> yes. Be the first one to drop the soap. I had to. I had to. I couldn't help myself. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. So besides the big move to Vegas, what else have you guys been up to? You're shooting the new movie. You're moving to Vegas. Shooting the new movie. Uh, we just had our, let's see, our, our last one. Uh, before this one uh, was a star showcase for the lovely Charlotte Cross. Very cool. Turned out very well. Uh, kind of chronicles her development from more submissive roles into more dominant roles. Uh, so that's on the streets now, and hopefully you can pick up Charlotte Cross and Evil Queen is Born. Uh, once we get to Vegas, we plan to... Reboot a couple of our existing series. Uh, we're going to shoot Kinky Cuckold 4, uh, Revenge of the Housewives 2, and uh, Stepdad Gets Fucked 2. Very cool. So things that are a little more domestic-oriented that can be shot in houses while we're getting organized on the studio. Very cool. But uh, good series, all three of them. So what are you looking forward to in personal life for Vegas? Oh... Uh, Just having a, a, I mean, it's going to be nice not living at the studio and not, not like being at work every day. Uh, it's going to be a little strange moving back into a house. Uh, I have not lived in a house in almost 20 years. Oh, shit. Yeah. Because uh, when, when D. Severe and I met, I my landlord had just been foreclosed on and I was moving into an apartment in a panic and uh, we lived in a one bedroom apartment together I lived in a one bedroom apartment by myself we moved in together when we got the two bedroom apartment downstairs 
uh, and then moved out of that into our studio seven years ago. And now it's back to a house. And well, I've never had a pool, which will be interesting. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Till the water bill comes. <laughs> Holy fuck, how much am I paying for this fucking thing? And that's the one thing in Vegas will fucking kill you is just like, oh, that pool is prohibitively expensive if you don't, especially if you don't make use of it all the time. It's mm-hmm. just like, oh, cleaning it, having it treated, the water bill. Yes. Well, the the treatment isn't too outrageous. It's it's broken out as part of our rent, but it's it goes through our the people we're renting from. Oh, that's cool. So we we already know it's. I think it's like a hundred bucks a month, which is reasonable for pool care. Yeah, no, it's more than reasonable. It's just extra expense. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to teaching uh, our dog Teddy how to swim. <laughs> It's going to be an adventure because Teddy is extremely neurotic. Uh, he he has PTSD. He had a rough first year. Uh, was one of six unfixed dogs living in a household. Getting beaten up by the other five dogs. Oof. Uh, so he worries a lot and he's on Prozac and that's kind of taken some of the edge off. But it's going to be interesting to see how he reacts to having a pool. Is it a saltwater pool or a chlorine? Can dogs be in a chlorine pool? Yeah, I mean, as long as you kind of rinse them off. I mean, you don't don't let them drink the pool, but... That's going to be hard to watch. Yeah. Well, we, we don't plan to let them out. Just on general principle, they won't be alone in the yard without us anyway. Uh, that's how dog napping's happen. You end up in research facilities and other bad things. That's really a thing? Yeah. People steal dogs. It's really sad. That is really sad. Uh, But it's usually because they're left unattended or where they can be lured into theft. Like, ooh, got a treat for you. Yeah. So with having a house and without LA's stupid laws, you guys going to get more dogs? Uh, No, we're not. We, We have four at the moment. Four is more than enough. Uh, Two of them... We're not sure how much longer they're going to be with us. Uh, Liberty, our oldest, is 16 and a half. And right now, we're just happy every morning she wakes up and is still with us. Uh, Our youngest, Clyde, uh, we just found out this week has a brain tumor. Oh, I'm sorry. And, uh, well, a couple of years ago, he was diagnosed with epilepsy, and it turns out that that's not what was giving him seizures. It was the tumor. Ooh. So now that we know what the real problem is, um, I mean, it's been really difficult because the way we found out was that the tumor had reached a point where it was severely impacting it was not just an occasional seizure or some major issues. Uh, but now that we know what it is, we can start treating it. Um, so we've got some medications that hopefully will relieve some of the pressure and possibly shrink the tumor or at least stop it from growing. And we'll take it from there. Oh, that's, that's fucking rough. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a fighter. He's a tough little guy. Um, uh, for those of you who, who don't follow Little Dude Clyde on Twitter, he does have his own Twitter account. Uh, he came out of the Lancaster shelter. 
uh, three months old. He only weighed nine pounds, which is extremely small for a blue-nosed pit bull. Uh, we think he was being raised into the dogfighting trade, but they surrendered him because he was not putting on weight. Um, so they must have had some conscience that said, you know, we're not going to turn him into a bait dog, or they just didn't think he was going to get big enough to be a bait dog or whatever. But um, they dropped him at the pound, and uh, we got him with less than 24 hours and pulled him out. And the people at the pound thought that it was either he either had a virus or a parasite. And after extensive testing, it turned out he had an artery wrapped around his esophagus. Uh, it was some, a condition similar to human acid reflux. He just couldn't keep food down. So he got bypass surgery and uh, got that fixed up and grew into a healthy, bouncing, beautiful baby boy. And a couple years later, the seizures started. And like I said, we thought they were epilepsy. And turns out they weren't. And now we know... You know, he's five and a half, and this is what we're dealing with now. So, Wow, that's just a rough life from start to finish. Yeah, but Ooh. he's through the whole thing. He, he's strong. He fights. He, you know, he, he, he doesn't quit. So if, if this is beatable, he will beat it. Awesome. Well, I really hope he does. Yeah. Um, if you guys haven't found a vet in Vegas, I actually have a friend who is a vet in Vegas. We will talk about that uh, after uh, we're done recording. Yeah. Yes, we just with four dogs in general, we need a vet. But uh, it'd be good to have someone with with some recommendation rather than just going online and judging by Yelp or whatever. Yeah, one of my good friends in Vegas um, has an older dog. I think her dog is twelve or thirteen at this point, and she takes it to our mutual friend Jen, who has been taking care of him for quite some time so yeah now forward on the info yeah i mean between you know the tumor and the old age and the neurosis and fortunately our our fourth one bella is uh quite healthy at the moment she's uh a ball of energy and she kind of keeps the others in line that's awesome yeah so you get a pool, you're going to have a house, central air. Yes. That's a must in fucking I mean, we didn't have a huge list of requirements, but garage, pool, air conditioning, heat. Because uh, for those of you who aren't from L.A., who don't, underst- who don't know that much about L.A. real estate, <coughs> most of the housing here is not insulated and doesn't have really good heating and cooling. No, no, not so much. It's like, ah, just leave the windows open. It's fine. No, I mean, people say, you're moving to Vegas. Isn't it going to be so much hotter there? And I go, no, because the place we're moving into is not an old industrial space with no insulation and no air circulation. The place we're moving into has double pane windows. The walls are insulated and it's got central air. So it's going to be quite comfortable for the months when it's unbearable outside. Yeah, the electric bill won't be, but... It can't be worse than our electric bill now. I had about a thousand square foot apartment, and during the summer months, my electric would sometimes be two, three hundred dollars a month. 
We're paying upwards of five at the moment. Oof. Oof. That's rough. Yeah. But it is a commercial space, and you guys are Commercial space. We've got two portable air conditioners, a half a dozen fans, uh, small central air in the office area, plus all the the lighting and everything that goes around. Uh, And then, you know, with the dogs and shooting, we're doing at least one load of laundry a day and at least a load of dishes every day or every other day. So a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That very active household, and I can totally see why it, it's good to get the separation from work and home. Mm-hmm. Finally going, hate to do it. Can we pause for half a second? We can. And we're back. Thankfully, no real-life drama, so... Now, now, do you insert a commercial for our lovely sponsor, Ghost Tequila? We do, uh, right at the beginning. The bottle's empty, so I couldn't tell what it was. Uh, it's Blanco Tequila anyway, so... Uh, yeah, there will be an ad right at the front. You really have listened to none of this. <laughs> no, not at all. Not even your last appearance. <laughs> ah, yeah, now the, the introduction, the ad reads, all that. Yeah. At the beginning, I do I that like, later. I, I know what I said. Or I've got a pretty good idea what I said. I probably missed a couple of points. But <laughs> so why do I have to listen to it again? If anything, I would listen to some of your other guests because they're witty and charming and very interesting people. I half the time forget what I say. So some thankfully I edit this and I'm like, oh God, what the hell did, I mean, sometimes I'm a little drunker than other times on this show too. There are times where I'm, you know, so drunk by the end of it, I'm like, did I save the file? Oh God, did I save it? <laughs> Definitely have had a couple of those. So far, I have not lost an episode yet. I'm sure it'll happen one of these days. And then 20 years from now, we'll be, and now we drink the lost episodes. So, yeah, well, the, there's been a couple of lost episodes, anyways, where I still have the files, but it's just like, yeah, that's not airing. <laughs> one of them I should put up at some point. It started off as an interview with a musician friend of mine, and then. One of his handlers was in the, in the house, who's also a friend of mine. So we threw him on mic. And then a buddy of mine, who's a music executive, who's friends with both of them, showed up. And then it became the four of us just drunk. <laughs> just drunk on air. Like, I think there's actually only like 15 minutes of me with the musician before it's the four of us just being drunk. <laughs> so the plan was to have him come back through and do an actual like sit down episode without all the distractions and drinking. Right. And it's been like six months and we haven't had time where both of our schedules clicked because he's on tour all the time so i may just air the drunken madness at some point like here you go guys here's what it sounds like when me and my friends are just drunk talking about music because that's really what it was um there's another one that just went really bad in the episode never finished that will never air Thankfully, nothing that's been lost, lost. That's good. One of these days, I'm sure it's going to happen. I'm sure there's going to be an episode where I've just had a little too much and don't hit save, and that's that. Actually, I take that back. There's a lost episode from like when it, we originally began with Draven Star, like third episode in when I barely knew what I was doing around the equipment, and the files got corrupted, and it never aired. Ah. Uh, so. I haven't talked to Draven in ages. Uh, she is working at a brothel these days up in the Reno area. Oh, okay. 
She's doing well as far as I know. Making that money. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, she really likes it, so. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bravo thing seems to be like one of the new new trends in the uh, performer world. It's like the new feature dancing. Yeah. It's like you build your name performing, and then you can demand insane money from fans at the brothel. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was on the internet. Like, Charlotte Sartre just yeah. did a round at the brothel. She was just at the alien cat house. I just want to hear what that place is like. Well, um, I actually set her up with the gig. I, okay. I'm friends with some of the management there. I can get you a walkthrough if you'd like. <laughs> I don't need to go that far. I just want to say, what is the, like, the decor and the vibe to an alien cat house? I mean, I have not a clue. <laughs> I guess you got to do something to stand out from the other brothels. Okay. I don't know what kind of person's like, yeah, I want to go fuck the aliens. Is it... Now, are they going to fuck the aliens? Or are the aliens coming there to fuck the humans? What is... I don't know. I don't know. I didn't see... is, Is it a brothel for aliens? Are they legal aliens? Illegal aliens? I don't think they discriminate. That's good. I, I think, you know, as long as your cash is green, you can have sex. Mm-hmm. As long as your cash is green and your dick has no sores. Yes. That is one nice thing about legal brothels is they, you know, they check your package before you mm-hmm. go to work. Escorting has become so prevalent in the industry. It makes perfect sense for, you know, performers to go work in brothels. It's a better way to escort because you're in a... A secure environment. A legal secure environment. A legal environment. And you can screen your customers. Yeah. And you can name whatever price you want, which is really cool. The house does not set pricing. The escort or the brothel worker. I don't know. Like I don't want to call them hookers. Uh, the worker. Yeah. The worker sets their own rates. They're okay. 100% contractors. And the way it works is the house just takes 50%. Okay. So they can set whatever rate they want. It's not like I know so some... So you set a grand and the house gets five. Yep. You set two grand and the house gets a grand. Yep. Which is better than some of these escort agencies that I know some performers work through mm-hmm. in LA where they're like, no, this is what your rates are. They don't really let the girls set their own rates. And the nice thing about that is if a girl really doesn't want to work with a client... They could just price them out or make it so expensive that yeah. if they pay, well, fuck it. <laughs> I'm sure they've done worse things. Mm-hmm. And I know some girls are doing rather well for themselves at the brothels. Draven's doing well for herself. Charlotte said she had a really good time. I'm sure she did well financially. Uh, one of my, my buddy who's the manager there told me, when they announced that Charlotte was going to be working there, some dude drove from Texas, like just got in his truck and drove from Texas. Must be nice to be like Helen of Troy and just setting people, the ships to sea for you. It must be nice to be able to drop everything in your life and drive from Texas to the middle of nowhere, Nevada too. It's... Yeah. Just to go fuck. Mm-hmm. That's a, much like Colts that, mm-hmm. that, that would never cross my mind. Like you could be like Pam Anderson in her prime be like, I'm not dropping everything and spending whatever the prohibitive amount of money is 
for yeah. that. It, it's just, I have zero, I've said it on there before, I have zero problems with prostitution, just not my cup of tea. I mean, it's it's not something that I'm looking to participate in, uh, but like you, I have no issue with it. I think it should be permitted. 100%. Uh, I think there should be basic health regulations to keep it safe for everybody. Hell, they're tested more than performers are. Yeah. They're once a week. They're being tested once a week. And they're inspecting their partner's genitals before mm-hmm. anything happens. Mandatory condoms. Yeah. It's safer than performing on set. In some cases, yeah. Yeah, well, in the majority of mainstream mm-hmm. set cases. Once a week versus 14 days. And, I mean, it, I'm mixed about this. If you are out of the brothel for more than 24 hours, you have to be retested. Okay. Uh, I mean, that sounds a little... A little draconian. Not so much draconian, but I don't know how effective it is because I don't know what the whether it really hits the incubation period. I don't think it's an incubation. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it definitely wouldn't hit the incubation period for HIV. I think it's more of a probably there as a deterrent than anything else. Could be. Like, hey... If you go out and do things off the reservation unmonitored, you're mm-hmm. going to have to get tested again. I don't know. I don't know what the logic is behind the law, but that's what it is. It doesn't make any sense because I could be gone for 23 hours and 58 minutes yeah. and not have to get retested. But that's the law. It is what it is. It's how Nevada does legal prostitution. It's better than it being... Illegal and unregulated. Yeah. No, I agree. Think of all the tax revenue, L.A. Think of all the tax revenue on some of these escorts that are making ten to $20,000 a night. Think of all the tax revenue. Well, I, th- I think a lot of them are paying at least some tax on their income because, I mean, that's how they took down Al Capone. You know, no matter what you do, you find a way to launder, describe whatever the income, and you declare it. Because if they catch you not declaring your income, that's worse than pretty much anything. They're gonna, it's like they can't go back, and it's hard to retroactively charge you with prostitution. Right. It's very easy to charge you for tax evasion on income that you made six months ago. 100%. But it's also a scary place for working girls right now. They just arrested 10 girls at the Roosevelt last weekend in a sting. Hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. And I guess the undercover or whoever they had posing as the John had an Israeli passport. Room was in his name. Savvy workers checked. Yeah. Still, 10 girls arrested. It's crazy. Yeah. So, go work at brothels. <laughs> you may have be in the middle of nowhere, but it's safer, more money, and no worry about arrest. And the crazy thing is, well, not even a crazy thing, that's really how it should be. If you go to court on it, they can't discriminate against you for 
that sort of sex work. It's perfectly legal. Right. So you can't have an ex throw it in your face in a custody battle. Or you can, but... But it's, it's a lot... It's different than... Yeah. Than, oh, she's, you know, a street, wa- street walker or an escort. Or, yeah. She's a criminal versus... She's not a criminal. Yes. It's so silly. And I don't understand why in 2018... When we have a president that pays for sex, allegedly. Allegedly. I'm not getting sued by that guy. He sues. No, he, 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 he fucking sues. We have he's a pre- suing so many people, I don't think he... It would take him a while to get to you. Yeah, but me having to go to court would break me. <laughs> True. Like, having to make the court appearance be like, okay, you win, cool, have a good day. Allegedly, we have a president that pays for sex workers. Why can't America do it? Why can't America legally do it? That's the whole thing with the, even the, you know, the president's situation that's crazy. It's like, who cares? Who, the only reason anyone should care about these affairs is the fact that he feels he's susceptible to blackmail. Yeah. Because otherwise... Well, it's, 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 I don't think the problem is... Well, with some people, I'm sure, it's the fact that he had the affair. But with the vast majority, it's not the fact that he had the affair. It's the lies and the deceit and the payoffs and all the maneuvering to cover it up. That's like, all right, if he's doing this for something as simple as this, what else is he doing this for? Right. I mean, if I was in his position, be like, and not running Republican, I'd be like, yeah, I did it. Look at them. I did it. Mm-hmm. Bang that. Yep. Was good. Would bang it again. Yep. Yeah, I banged Stormy. Karen McDougal. <sighs> Karen McDougal. Why Karen McDougal? Why? Oh, she was so I, hot. I, I, I don't know Karen. I've seen a couple of pictures of her. She's a very attractive woman. Uh, I know Stormy. Not well, but I we're casual acquaintances, and I completely understand Stormy. No, I, I totally understand Stormy also. Stormy's a friend I've worked yeah. for her before. It's like, I totally get it. I, I, I made a joke, and... She ever heard me say it? I'm sure she'd kill me. But I'm like, she probably should have paid him 130 to keep quiet. That's not something I'd want out there. <laughs> no. But like I said, it's. I, I think the the big issue here is that if he's covering up something as kind of simple as this, what else is he covering up that's like more damaging? Oh, 100. percent See what if I were in his position. I would have just turned right into the skid and be like, yeah, I did it. Me and Melania, we got an open relationship. Mm-hmm. What up? My wife doesn't care. Why should you, America? Because that's the question no one has ever asked. Do they have an open relationship? Does she know about this? Does she care? Yeah. For all we know, she's like, yeah, go get yours, Donald. I was pregnant. I'm not willing to have sex with you while I'm pregnant. Yeah, go get yours. Who knows? Who are we to judge if that's the case? Mm-hmm. But instead, oh. just oh, lied. R- rumor has it that she had something on the side as well. So, well, good on her. Yeah, maybe they're just rich, sw- rich ass swingers. The rich leave it lead a different life than the rest of us. One hundred percent. I I've said this on air plenty of times that when it comes to like prostitution and stuff like that, it's really a middle class problem. 
only the middle class seems to actually have problems with prostitution. Right. Yeah. Low income? Yeah. I've had yeah. I've I've worked 60 70 hours this week. Streetwalker's going to get me off. Cool. Yeah. Or girls getting paid? Good for her. Right. Super rich dudes? You now, type A mm-hmm. in charge of everything just don't have time like Yeah. Throw thousands down on escorts. Yeah. They're paying for convenience, for discretion. Yep. And to get exactly what they want with no strings. Exactly. It's only, you know, the middle it's class the middle America. Class. Like, oh, I would never. You can't afford to. Yeah. You weren't given the opportunity or you can't afford mm-hmm. to. Is the majority of the case. Although the way things are going, we're not going to have a middle class much longer, so. True enough. True, true enough. That's, uh, that's, you know, I don't think we really have one in L.A. I feel like most of us are really just working poor that are holding down yeah. two, three jobs to live in sunny Los Angeles. Almost everyone I know has two or three hustles. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if one of those hustles is, you know, pursuing their entertainment dreams of music, acting, yeah. whatever, that's still work. Yeah. It's like most people have their job and then they've got their hustles. Yeah, and some people have two jobs and hustles and yeah. and shit. Some people it's all hustles. Yeah, I know a couple of them. I mean, mm-hmm. I I'm, I teeter between the doing some work and a bunch of hustles and sometimes being like the work's not really worth it. I should just do a lot of hustles. Yeah. And then I'm like, "Oh yeah, health insurance is a thing I like." Hustles <laughs> generally don't provide those. Then again, my work doesn't provide that, so yeah, I mean, that's another problem with the industry is I thought, you no, know, the Free Speech Coalition was working on, like, member health care packages and shit like that. They, they've actually come up with some stuff, but it's still something that you have to go in and purchase. It's not like because you work in the industry. I mean, it, it's like if you're in a union, you know, if you're a union carpenter. You get your health insurance through the union, uh, or if you're, you know, a union, you know, film worker, you know, motion picture health and welfare, you get your your health care through that. Well, what's stopping the industry besides no one paying dues to form a union to get health care? Um, just lack of. It's tough enough to unify the the industry on like the really important things like fighting prop 60 and fighting 2257 and even that it's been you know a handful of people doing most of the fighting but to get people together enough to get you know health insurance for and the other problem is the the industry there are a lot of people that are in and out oh 100 percent. you know six Six months, a year, tops, and they they got their, their taste of it, and it's not for them for whatever reason, and they're gone. So what do you do about those people? Yeah, yeah, and it's not like you can force productions to be like, sorry, we only work with union actors. Yeah, because they're, you know, for every one union actor, there would be another 10 that be in porn. Yes, 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 I want to be in porn. 
Yeah. Yeah. And plus you have the cam performers who like I work for myself at home. Why would I unionize? Mm -hmm. Why would I start paying dues? Yeah. And this is the problem with American healthcare altogether, but there's no reason that our healthcare should be tied to our employer. No. Um, my sister and her husband lived in the UK for quite some time. And when I was over there, he raised a really good point that I had never thought about. Having our healthcare tied to our employer hurts the entrepreneurial spirit. Because if you're an entrepreneur or you want to be and you have a family, you may not be able to leave your stable job to mm-hmm. go branch out on your own because you need the healthcare to provide for your family. Yeah. I, I mean, I am a firm believer in universal healthcare. And everybody's well, you know, it's, it's socialism. It's, but it's not really. Having everybody around me being healthy makes me healthier. Yeah. I don't want to go to the grocery store and have the person behind me in line be sick because they can't get health care. Because that's what makes me sick is them coughing and sneezing on me. Or I don't send my kids to school and have you know the other kids in their class be sick because they don't have health care because that's what gets my kids sick. You know, if someone, you know, it has, you know, epilepsy, I want them to get treatment. I don't want them to suffer with it and, like, drive on the freeway because they can't afford to get their seizures treated. No, I want, again, I want them fixed up so they don't, like, cause harm to me. It's having a healthy population is, makes you healthier. 100% plus no one's station in life is guaranteed you may have a great job today that provides great health care mm-hmm. there is no guarantee you're going to have that job tomorrow a year from now two years from now businesses go under you may get fired and it may not even be your fault you may just be laid off from downsizing yeah and what happens if six months to a year you can't find a new job and you get really fucking sick yeah all the people are like I don't want to pay for those sick people well, what happens if, due to some unfortunate circumstance beyond your control, now you're one of those sick people? Mm-hmm. It it doesn't. It's just everyone in their minds like, no, what the way it is right now is static. It's always going to be like this. It's always going to be good. But it's not good. No, healthcare is too expensive. Everybody doesn't get it, and the people who do get it. It's like you you have to wait for it and you have to fight for it. And I mean, I I was attacked by a stingray two years ago. And it took me almost nine months to get that financially completely cleared up. Holy shit. And that's with insurance. That's fucking crazy. So how'd you get attacked by a stingray? Uh, oddly enough, uh, shooting porn. Okay, you got to be- tell this whole story. On a beach in 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 the San Diego area, a uh, friend of mine um, needed a camera person. Said, "Hey, can you come down and shoot for me?" And it's like, "Sure, no problem." So came down there, shot the scene for him on the beach. We're done. It's like, so on. To, let's go in the water, cool off before we drive home. Went in the water and. I'm not familiar with stingrays. Never been part of my world. I didn't know that you're supposed to shuffle your feet when you're walking through the water. 
so I was just walking. All of a sudden, I thought, and at first I thought it was a crab or something, just kind of bit me. Uh, but it's like, oh, something bit me. That's odd. Uh, got out and, you know, small puncture wound and it was bleeding a little bit and had a little first aid kit in my, my backpack and I kind of cleaned it out and with a bottle of water and put a Band-Aid on it so it wouldn't get sand in the hole. And slowly my foot started really hurting. And for anybody who has not been attacked by a stingray, the neurotoxin that they inject you with is nasty. Uh, I did not know they were poisonous. Oh, yeah. It's the basic concept is to paralyze their prey or whatever they're attacking long enough for them to get away. Uh, but it is an extremely potent neurotoxin. Um, we were from the time I walked to the water back to our little area, like my, my foot, like the shoe area was starting to just throb with pain. Uh, cleaned it out. You know, we kind of gathered up our stuff and, and decided, okay, yeah, we've had enough for one day. Let's start walking. By that point, it was like midway up my lower leg. Uh, by the time we had climbed the cliff back up to the parking area, uh, my foot was numb and it was throbbing all the way up to my hip. Uh, managed to get to the car, thought I would be able to drive home with it, got almost to the edge of the parking lot and go, this isn't going to work. Uh, fortunately, the... The beach we were at is right across the street from a very good hospital. Kind of rolled it right across the freeway into the other side of the freeway and into the emergency room. Went in, it's like something bit me. And I said, okay, took me back to my exam room. Doctor takes one look at it and goes, it's a stingray. Get me a bucket. I'm sure he sees it all the time. Well, that's what I learned. Because everybody who walked by the little exam room in the six hours I was there looked one, took one look at my foot in the bucket and goes, Stingray. Uh, because the way you treat a stingray, you know, for anybody who does get attacked in the future, because it's not a bite, it's a barb on the end of their tail that they inject you with. Uh, the only treatment for it is the hottest water that you can physically stand. And you soak your foot in it and the heat from the water breaks down the toxin. Good to know. And like I said, it took about six hours for it to get kind of normal feeling. Uh, I don't know how, whether it's ever going to be normal because this was two years ago and I still get some cramping in my foot every once in a while while I'm driving. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, at least she didn't go out like the croc hunter. <laughs> that's true. Wow. Jesus. I that's fucked up. Yeah. I, I I like I just thought it was a sharp barb. Like I had no idea there was toxins involved. Yeah. There's a a really potent neurotoxin and it's not fun. Once again, fuck the ocean. Mm-hmm. Not a fan. Mm. Yeah. I like to be near it. I don't know if I ever really need to go back in it again. Yeah, I'm perfectly cool like Sitting on the sand with a cocktail, like, yeah, look at that. The ocean, cool. Hop on the patio, a nice breeze coming in off the water. Perfect. 
Watching the sharks eat the surfers. Yeah. Hey, shouldn't have dressed like a seal. Mm-hmm. Survival of the fittest. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some surfers. They aren't that fit. Well, they look. They definitely look like a seal then. Yeah. It's their world. That's the thing that drives me nuts. Well, we should, you know, we should do something about the sharks. Why should we do something about the sharks? It's their world. We're the ones going into it. We we came out of the water eons ago. Yeah, when the sharks start coming out of the water, then we do something about them. Exactly. When they come into our world, that's the time to fight. Yeah, that... Sharks developing legs would be bad. Real bad. Land shark. Land shark. (laughs) Candy gram. (laughs) Many of you have no idea what we're talking about with that. But through the the beauty of YouTube... uh, Search for Saturday Night Live Land Shark. It's amusing. That bit's from the seventies, right? Yes. Okay. Dan Aykroyd, uh, Jane Curtin, Lorraine Newman. Oh, probably the the best Saturday Night Live cast ever. It's like the second or third season. Yeah, I mean, B- Bill Murray in the first season was good, but uh, they really hit their stride second, third. Um, yeah, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Garrett Morris. Um, actually, Bill Murray was in. Was Bill Murray in the second? No, it was Chevy Chase was in the first season, and then he was replaced by Bill Murray. I believe so. Yeah. The internet will let us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, da, 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 da. Unfortunately, doing Bill Murray SNL brings up a whole lot of stuff because he's popped in a lot of times. Yes, he's guest hosted quite a bit after. Uh, I'll I'll find it. I'll do uh, SNL season two cast. There we go. Uh, Chevy Chase left. Yeah, Chevy. Chevy was October thirtieth, seventy six, and yeah. part of season two. And then Bill Murray, January fifteenth, seventy seven. Okay. All part of season two. So Chevy was there for part of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was like a multiple month gap between Chevy's departure and Bill's entrance. If I remember, they they take like a month off between holiday specials and, and football. Well, by that point, it's two months because it would have been November and December yeah. and part of January they took off before Bill came back. So, I could definitely dive into it deeper, but I'm, they get the point. Yes. No, it's, the ocean's just crazy. <laughs> the, and the fact that there's so much of it we haven't explored. Oh, yeah. Like, we have no idea what's really down there. Mm-hmm. Cthulhu could just be chilling at some bottom of the Marianas Trench. Yeah. Uh, although, for, for those of you in New York City... Uh, great, it's not really a museum, but it's a little more than an exhibit, uh, in the Times Square area, uh, put on by Natural Geographic, and it showcases the work of some of their photographers, and it's phenomenal. It's all about the, uh, it's all ocean photography, and some of it is extreme depth. And it's just amazing. And then they 
they've animated some of it some of it is film um but just the the um, you know the the photography from National Geographic has always been one of the top in the, in the world and this lives up to that and just you know the the beauty and the the immenseness and the unknown of our oceans I'll definitely have to check that out next time yeah. I'm in New York I'm it's just one of those things like it's so we crazy were ba- we were back there a couple of months ago for Cinekink and uh, had a, a day off and was was there with my brother and and two of his kids and it's like what do we do with the kids? You know, do we, and we didn't have a whole lot of time, but we had some time to kill and just decided, you know, this looks interesting. And that's kind of the way my family does a lot of the, this looks interesting and we go to it and it either really sucks or it's really cool. And there's not a whole lot of middle on these choices, but it was really interesting and the kids had a good time, but the adults had a good time too. And, very cool. Are some of the photos at like such depth that like there's no natural light that makes it in? Uh, some are. Some of it are. Some of it is artificial light. Some of it is bioluminescence. Oh, from the fish. Yeah. So you've got complete darkness, and then just these neon-colored shapes and stuff. Uh, and some of it isn't nearly that deep. Um. So there is natural light available. Some of it is above the water, but just amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. It almost makes me wish I could get into scuba diving. I tried it, and it is not for me. <laughs> I, it, I've i never tried it. I wouldn't rule it out, but it's not like tops on my list of, damn, got to go try this now things. Once I was under the water, like, I'm not a claustrophobic person. I felt claustrophobic underwater. I was just like, okay. I don't like this. It just brought out something. I just got in my own head, and it just brought out anxiety. It had nothing to do with the sharks. Yeah. I was just like, nope, nope, this ain't for me. Because just part of it is like, I have sinus problems, and you got to clear as you go further down. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm not clearing properly, and I just start getting in my own head. Yeah. And I just was like, nope, this is not for me. Nope, nope. Throw me out of a plane, I'm cool. I love skydiving. See, that's it. I've bungee jumped, but I've never skydove. Because in my head, I, it's like, I could survive the fall off a 200-foot bridge. 10,000-foot drop out of a plane, I'm probably not going to make it. Probably not. I, the first time I went, probably wasn't in the best headspace to do it. Okay. I was like, I was super down out of a messy breakup, and I'm like, fuck I it. I going to say, I just robbed a bank and was on my way from Seattle to... <laughs> not quite that old. <laughs> not quite that old. Um... And I'm a, again for our younger viewers, DB uh, DB Cooper, DB Cooper. Oh, and I'm like, fuck it. I've I've talked about doing this for a while. Fuck it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go skydiving. And because I'm a colossal prick, <laughs> on all like the 20 pages they make you sign that like, if you die, it's not, not our, our fault. fault. <laughs> I put her as my emergency contact. Da- damn it! If I die, she's gonna know. Yeah. <laughs> And but, tell her it was her fault. 
might not have been in the best headspace. Yeah. <laughs> and get strapped to my instructor, and I'm just bullshitting with him, and I'm a li- I'm definitely a little nervous. And he's like, "Yeah, I do like ten to fifteen jumps a day this time of year." I'm like, "Oh, okay." And then the plane's puttering, put 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 put. And that's nerve-wracking. Like, you're yeah. packed in like sardines. Well, that's the thing, because it, it's never on this, you know, brand new, you know, really cool jet or anything. It's like this prop plane from 1948 that they bought off the Luftwaffe when they went under. and Yeah, with the door wide open. Uh, yeah, it, 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 door. Oh, the hatch. Yeah, like. it's like there's no door there. There's just a hole in the side of it for people to fall out of. Hopefully at the right time. Pretty much. Pretty uh, much. A couple of seats off a uh, 1963 school bus. Oh, no seats. Okay. Like we were all... sat on the floor? Yeah, we sat on the floor facing the rear of the plane. <laughs> like packed in like sardines, just, yeah. you know, in each other's laps. And when we get to altitude, there were five, you know, sport divers who were professionals on okay. the flight with us. So they went first. The five of them went at once, like... Two of them went sideways. One of them went out backwards. And I'm like... They they got together, made a star. Yeah, it was just a whole thing. And I'm like, I am a giant bitch right now (laughs) that I am freaking out about being tied to the guy who does this 10 to 15 times a day. And those five assholes just went out in various directions. So we make it to the door. And this is at Skydive Chicago, which is out 60 miles east of Chicago or 60 miles west of Chicago and in farmland. So you see the various plots yeah. of farm from the plane. Like, oh shit, this is real. Yeah, because you're not diving onto the Sears Tower no. or into Wrigley Field. It's, it's nowhere urban, but no. seeing the, the divided farm properties is just like, yep, yep, we're pretty fucking high. And yeah, you know, lean back into the instructor and he just launches us out. And once I was in the air, I was just resigned myself to my fate. I went, if shit happens here, this is beyond my control. I am going to fucking enjoy this. <laughs> and it was just like an amazingly fast roller coaster. Okay. And nothing is a better sensation than when canopy deploys. Just a, and then being ripped upright, like, oh my God, I'm going to fucking live. <laughs> and we're still thousands of yeah. feet up. You still got a way to float. Yeah. And my instructor's like, you want to do some red turns? So a red turn is when they pull hard on the toggle and you start corkscrewing down. I'm just like, whoa, whoa. And then you got to like kind of kick your feet up and then run to a stop. Mm-hmm. But it was a great fucking experience. I would happily do it again. Hell, at the time, I'm like, I'm going to get my certification. I'm going to do this all the fucking time. And then I realized I am not driving an hour and a half to two hours outside the city to do this all the fucking time. Yeah. But it, it absolutely great experience. No regrets doing it. But scuba diving, not for me. Not. I, I'm a man who can admit some things are beyond my scope. Mm-hmm. And it's better to just admit it than kid myself about it. Where'd you end up bungee jumping? Oh, uh, up in Angeles Crest. I don't know, remember exactly where, because it was like 89. It was a while ago. But yeah, we got up, got awfully early in the morning, because it wasn't, I don't think it was completely legal. 
So we had to get like get there before the Rangers did, do our jump, and then like call everything back into the van. And so you you guys walked up to the crest. Who like whose whose idea was this? Who secured the bungee cord? Like, uh, it was a company that that did bungee jumps. Okay, it's like they had the vans and they had the cords and everything and. We like met at this place and got in the van, so it wasn't fifteen cars up on this bridge. And okay, yeah, I, I'd be a little more worried about it when it's semi legal. Yeah, but obviously he survived in one piece. Dive head first off. Oh, uh, just we just stepped off the the edge of the. You climbed over the railing of the bridge and stood on the railing, and then just or stood on the like the lip there, and then just stepped off. And then just whoop. Was yep. it tied to your feet or? Uh, I did a chest harness. Okay. Uh, just because some people were doing the feet, but the idea of hanging upside down really didn't appeal to me. I could definitely see that. Because, you know, once you stop, then you have, it takes like 10 minutes for them to drag you back up and you're hanging upside down and all the blood's rushing to your head and you're like looking at the stuff down there and. It just seemed better to be kind of looking out at everything. Just kind of spider manning it up. Although the one thing, if you do the chest, you have to be careful because the cord is like this. And, and if you're not careful, it just... Whack. Did that happen to you? No. That's good. Because they warned us and it's like, you know, as you feel it's starting to pull, you need to do this. You'd think that they would like actually have it instead of to your chest, have the cord on your back. So you wouldn't have to worry about like it hitting you in the head. Uh, I don't know exactly why they did the. Hmm. Unless that's just the way the harnesses were, because they were they were like climbing harnesses. Fair enough. So they might not have made climbing harnesses with back. Although I think it might also have been a safety thing, so you could like your hands could reach. The connections if they had to. Yeah, but if it's like right here in your shoulder blades, you can reach that. I don't know. I don't know. Not a bungee cord engineer. Nope. Might have been fun if you had with the chest arms just dove backwards off the bridge. Just no worries about hitting your head at that point. Yeah. That would have been kind of fucking scary. Like I don't know what would be scarier in that situation, like being able to see the ground as you race towards it or not being able to see the ground as you race towards it. Just seeing everything kind of dropping away. Yeah. Don't know. May have to try both ways at some point. It's like, you know, the roller coasters when they run them backwards. I hate that. Really? Yeah. I like to see where I'm going. You don't like the thrill of the unknown? Not so much. Fair enough. Fair enough. Are you are you big into roller coasters or? Oh, I mean, I haven't done them in a long time, uh, but I used to really love them. Uh, a couple of times, I've worked at amusement parks on special events where we've gotten, uh, like we did. I worked the grand opening of Scream up at Magic Mountain long ago, and the nice thing was we got breaks during the day where we could go and run because 
you know, every, everybody was so focused on Scream, the lines for the other coasters were really short. So I rode every coaster at Magic Mountain at the time. That's awesome. Since I've lived in L.A., I haven't gone to fucking Magic Mountain. I gotta do that. I haven't been in years. Um, I mean, it took us forever living here. It's like I hadn't been to Universal since I was a kid, but my mom was out visiting. And said, what are we gonna do? Uh, let's go to Universal. Yeah, that sounds good. So we went up there, and it's like ten bucks more to get a season pass. Then so we got the season pass and went like six or eight times uh, last year, which is kind of cool. Haven't been to Disney in a while. Haven't been to Knott's Berry Farm since I was a kid. Never been to Knott's Berry Farm. I did the Universal Season Pass and then never used it again, so I'm one of the people they made money on. Yeah. Um, haven't been to Disney in a couple of years. I know some people are going to hate me for this, but I think Disney's kind of overrated. Oh, I wish you could go to both parks on one ticket, and I wish the tickets weren't quite so expensive. Because I only really like about half Disney. Uh, although I'm, I'm looking forward to this new, the new Star Wars land. That could be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but I probably, even when it opens, probably won't go for the first couple of years because I don't want to deal with the lines. Yeah. But, I don't know, I'm more into coasters and thrill rides, so mm-hmm. Disney's just okay for that. Yeah. So I ra- I really do need to go Knott's Berry or Magic Mountain. Uh, if you're into coasters, Magic Mountain. And really, of all of them, besides Universal, it's the closest. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why I'm procrastinating on that. I used to go to Six Flags Great America in Chicago at least once a year. Yeah. I mean, Magic Mountain is a Six Flags. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's the Six Flags Park, and I don't know. Should do it. I don't know why I've been procrastinating. Listeners, hold me to that shit. Make me go on roller coasters. But, Jimmy Broadway, it is about that time. What time is it? Last call. Oh. So, where can the audience find you on social media and all that shit? They can find me at Fetish Director on Twitter. I am not on Facebook, so if you think you found me on Facebook, it's not me. Uh, Severe Sex Films on Instagram. And uh, that's pretty much it. And the website is severesexfilms.com. Check out the movies. Yes. Especially the new one with the cults. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Like I said, the the last couple have been really good. Sisters of No Mercy was a blast. We skewered traditional religion quite well. Uh, Rubber nuns, bad school girls. All fun stuff. All, All fun your stuff. kinky fun stuff. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, the Charlotte Cross Showcase. And now, Mindfuck, a cold classic. Oh, it's going to be good. Yep. Hopefully you guys take down. you think it's going to be nominated for Best Comedy? or? Uh, it's so hard to say because I don't know what everybody else has done this year. Um, I mean, I know Joanna's got at least one thing that's going to be up there. Don't think Brad's done anything that funny this year. Uh, I think, I mean, Quasar might have something good. Oh, I'm sure Quasar has something. But, I mean, you just never know, because I, I don't watch a lot of other people's stuff just because of time. Um, I barely have enough time to watch our stuff to make sure it's good enough to sell to people. <laughs> so, 
just recreational porn viewing is somewhat limited. And when I do that, it's usually not something with a lot of my friends in it. It's like weird European stuff. Yeah, I try to avoid stuff that my friends are into. It's just yeah. like I mean, I'll, I'll watch it, but I won't watch it so much for the sex as I'll watch to see the performances and you know if someone says you know you know we did a really good you know comedy in this one or yeah, it's not for titillation; it's for professional right. reasons. Exactly. Well, it's it's not not just professional, but more entertainment. Watching it as an R-rated movie and fast-forwarding through the sex parts. Because I see most of my friends have sex live. I don't need to see it recorded. Yeah, and even seeing it live is not not that big of a deal. It's kind of like, okay, sure. Yeah. Last time I PA'd, I was literally on my phone when they did not need me for something. (laughs) It's like, yep, Facebook is much more entertaining than watching my friends bang. Yeah. Boy, if you had told teenage me that. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Like, no, you're lying. You're lying. But we're, we're in the middle of sign-off. You can find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter, Matt Slayer on Instagram, Matt F and Slayer on Facebook. You can find the podcast at And Now We Drink on Twitter, And Now We Drink underscore on Instagram. So, it's been fun all. Till next time. Yes, we'll have to do it again in a couple of months. Yeah, definitely. Um, I make it out to Vegas once in a blue moon, so... I will love to pop in with the mobile gear and like, this is the new studio. Yes, we can. You won't even have to bring all the mobile gear. We can, we can loan you gear. Oh, even better. It's even better to not have to trudge my shit. I'll just bring yes. SD cards. There you go. And the laptop. Cause I don't know what your, your recording program is, but yeah, I guess I laptop. <laughs> fine. Yeah, fine. I guess we'll record the show. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Give the audience something to listen to. Well, until next time, everyone, may your drinks stay cold and your hangovers be mild. And tip your waiter. And your bartender. Yes. Tip everyone. Tips. Just just make it fucking rain. Yes. Good night, all. (laughs) 